0: Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarron, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. It's Kara McCarron here with you with the She's the Owner podcast. And uh, thanks for joining me. Um, This is our fourth episode, so we're super excited um, to get started. So I've got with me Jasmine Jonte. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? You are. Okay, good. I figured I was. So (laughs) Jasmine and I, um, we were new friends. We met, um, actually, I think it was in 2018 at the Newark UPW. We were both crewing and um, you were, I believe, in the back on the uh, risers doing, was it the iPads or something or, or doing... And you always seem to be back there doing um recording what Tony's saying or doing something very official compared to what I'm usually doing, which is helping hands and running around like a maniac. But um so, yeah, so we we met a little while ago, but she's one of the I, I follow her on social media, obviously, and I think she's one of the most engaging women that I've seen in a long time. um very genuine, super sincere says what she feels which I like drops f-bombs when necessary which I also like um, but just an incredible woman and I'm really excited to have her on the show so thank you Jasmine for agreeing to come on
1: yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. I was wondering if this could be an explicit episode or not. Oh, hell yes! <laughs>
0: you know, I like to swear, so of course,
1: excellent. So, yeah, um, we're on the same page, that's right?
0: Um, so, I, I typically ask a, a, ten questions of each of each guest that I have on. Um, I feel like Jasmine and I are going to go off the path a little bit just because we're both very much in the Tony Tony Robbins environment, and so some of these questions might be a little bit too um, not deep enough. But let's start with um, your company. So tell us what the name of your company is and why you started it and how it came to be. We'll start there.
1: Absolutely. So I lead the Alliance Mastermind. So it's It's a company in the personal development space. Um, anyone who is not in that space may not know what a mastermind is. So let me start there. A mastermind is getting together with a group of like-minded people to support, uplift, and rise together. Um, Tony... One of his huge quotes is proximity is power. And we've all heard you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with down to your income. And there's this huge, like, massive gaping hole in this industry where people go to these events and they get super excited and they're all riled up and they feel so good and so amazing. And they go home to people who are like, so you drank from the Kool-Aid,
2: didn't you? (laughs) Yep.
1: Um, and so I saw this huge, massive gaping hole. (laughs) It was like, I need to do something about this, especially Kara. I mean, you know, as like a crew member, it's so painful to see so many of these beautiful humans that are our friends come back and serve
3: at many different events and they themselves in their life are in the same place. Right. Right. So it's, you know, they
1: they have a health challenge and they come to the next event. And they still have the same health challenge and they come to the next event. They still have the same health challenge. And so my mission became helping people have that love and connection when they get home. It's, it's how do we, how do we take that energy and how do we infuse it into every day of our lives, every week of our lives? Um, and so that's what I do.
0: That's a, I mean, I love the, the description and how you explain it because I'll tell you when I first when I went to Business Mastery, that was my first live event in 2017. But when I went to UPW in 2018 in Chicago, that was my first UPW. And I, the kids said to me later, Olivia, she's 18. She crewed with us in LA. But the, they said to me, you were like hollow when you came home. You, you seemed empty. And I was like, holy shit. Like that struck me. And I thought about it later. And I kind of was because I left all my bullshit in Chicago. So when I came home, it was time to rebuild or get back to myself and fill that back up. And I really didn't have a clue how to do it. And thankfully, um, I became obsessed with serving and and volunteering and crewing. So I I did get a a bit of a jolt back in. But you're totally right. I mean, I even the people that I take with me through She's the Owner, when they come home, it's hard to find support outside of, you know, maybe there's two or three of us, but so what you do is absolutely um, paramount in, I think, the success of going to these events because it's like we say this constantly, it's, it's a muscle. You can't go once and think everything's going to be fine. I know every single day I have to get myself back into state. Every single day I have to be conscious of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And if I didn't have the support of my tribe, i.e. you guys and just watching everything that you're doing, um, it would be impossible. I think. And so I I love that yeah. and I think that's beautiful that you're doing that and in the way that you're doing it so well done. Congratulations.
1: And I totally I honor you and your consistency cuz everyone can feel it mm-hmm. in just the way that you are and they can see it, you know, in just the way that you hold, carry yourself from a couple of years ago to now and that's the that's the biggest gift I think that you could ever give to Tony. Right. Is to be a testament to like what he teaches and um I mean, that's a huge driving force for me as well. It's like, I, I came home from my first event and I was like, I can't let this be like that 98 Degrees concert I went to in seventh grade. <laughs> right. You know, like that's yeah. that, that thing that you go to and like you enjoy. And then later you're like, oh yeah, when I was 12, I went right. to see Nick Lachey. And when right. I was 26, I went to Tony Robbins. Right. <laughs> right? It's true. So, um, good on you, sister.
0: Thank you. So what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have all these dreams. What was, what was your kind of main thing that you thought about as a kid being when you got older?
1: Man, when I was a kid, I just wanted to be a vet. I just wanted to be around animals, um, which is interesting because still, like now one of my driving forces, similarly, like you're, she's the owner for you, this huge passion project that, you know, is, is an act of service for the world. Um, And my huge, big passion project that I'm working on right now, we're not quite there yet, is to help save dogs because I think dogs save lives too. So it's kind of like come back around, but not in the way that I thought it would when I was a kid. And um, I think it's even better. It is. Because when I was a kid, you know, I saw nine to five jobs as the only way to live. I didn't have any model of success other than that. So entrepreneurship, like I didn't understand what that was until about four years ago. Like I was 24 and I got introduced to what it actually means to be an entrepreneur and was like, oh, wow. Like, so I don't have to go and like work a job.
0: Yep. (laughs) It was nuts. You're really young to have had that lesson. Like a lot of, I'm 43, I'm way older than you. And a lot of us don't even understand entrepreneurship till like now. So I think that's wicked that you got to, um, to have that experience because, you, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people spend their 30s, they're all their 20s and 30s working for someone else. And then they're like, oh, hold on a second. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have to do this. But you know, what's interesting is that um, we had another guest on, Shauna Arnett, and I, th- I think it was Shauna that was talking about it. But I, there's a deep connection between people who love animals and people who want to serve And I find that really like I I'm a huge dog person. I have you've I'm sure you've seen my pictures of my new Bianca, but I there's something about dogs in particular. I feel like we I don't know. There's just some correlation between people who want to serve and give back and people who really love dogs. I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying that because I love dogs and they're the best and serving is amazing. (laughs) But they're definitely. It's interesting that you bring that up. That you're that's that's your passion project. How's Juniper doing? She's the cutest thing ever. She's
1: excellent. She's Mm -hmm. excellent. She's running around. We just got into a new house. So she's nice. loving it. She has all this space.
0: Um,
1: but I mean, it's true. Like all of those, I think you might not be making this up. I think this might be a real thing. It's like all those quotes that say, you know, I, be the dog, your per- yes. you know, be the person your dog thinks you are. Yes, You know, like <laughs> you come in and they greet you with a smile. I think Tony said one time, if you just treated your intimate partner, like your dog treats you, you'd be fine.
0: That's so true. I could be oh my God. Him,
1: but Or maybe it's someone else who said it, but I I mean, I believe it. Yeah.
0: No, a hundred percent. So what was the scariest thing about starting, um, is, is Alliance your first quote unquote business that you started, um, officially? Gosh, I think it's my fourth. Okay.
1: Um, the other three kind of worked, kind of didn't. And I think the scariest thing about it is realizing your certainty has to come from within Mm. because there's some, I mean, yes and no, there's safety nets, but everyone needs certainty. And when you first start out in entrepreneurship, that's not where you get it. So you have to find it within yourself. I think that was the scariest thing for me was like recognizing that and coming to terms with that and being excited about that. Once I kind of got over the fear of it and I was like, man, this is really going to help me grow. Like I need to do this. So I grow as a human. Um, I kind of, I got over it a little bit. Got over the fear, walked the fire, you could say.
0: Yeah. I'm quoting that your certainty has to come from within because that, that, was, that was a mic drop moment right there. That's because oh. certainty is one of mine too. And certainty and uncertainty, which, you know, but when you, that was, profound what you just said, because that's absolutely, that's a, that's going on somewhere, somewhere with your name on it, because that was a, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a really good one. Cause oh, it's, glad. it's exactly I'm what, glad. exactly true. Like you definitely, uh, it's all on you, which is mm-hmm. exciting when you let it be, but also terrifying if you don't know how to let it be exciting. Right. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think speaking to like female entrepreneurs, I know some trainers, some Tony Robbins trainers who've said to me, 80% of women have their top two needs as certainty and love connection.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they probably say that they aren't, but that's act—that's how they're acting. Right. And so when you think about female entrepreneurs, chances are somewhere in that mix of how why there's so many more male entrepreneurs than female. Actually, I don't know the stat on that. I don't know if that's true anymore. But I think it comes from the fact that we naturally, because we need safety, you know, we're wired for it in our right. cavewoman brain it might be what holds a lot of women back from taking the, the leap of faith into I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to be the owner.
0: Right. Interesting. I'm going to have to, I'm going to look, because I, I think it's still pretty unbalanced in terms of mm-hmm. female to male entrepreneurs, but that's fascinating. That's, and it makes total sense. Um, so what's been your, I mean, it, so far, what's been your greatest lesson is in being an entrepreneur? What's the thing that, that sticks out the most as your biggest takeaway or, or a thing that you've learned?
2: Mm.
3: Be Having the certainty and being the certainty is up there. I'd second to that. It's letting your, your irresistible offer
1: come from your client. Mm. And what I mean by that is I, so I started this mastermind a little over a year ago. And it was, a, I used Think and Grow Rich, the book as the focus of the mastermind. And it was brilliant. I mean, I had eight clients real quick, um, you know, was serving people left and right. They were really happy. And it was a four-month program. And we got to like month three, and I thought I knew what they wanted next. And so I created the next round, the next series of masterminds as a follow-up program, right? Mm -hmm. And no one bought it. Like no (laughs) one bought it, (laughs) and I I remember thinking, okay, so here is where that whole idea of you think you know your client, but just assume that you don't, and go and talk to them and ask them what what would make this a no brainer for you to continue with us. That's when I learned that lesson, and so I, I followed up with that. I like pushed through and I hustled and I grinded and did all the masculine stuff to try and get that offer to work and. It didn't, it didn't, you know, like the hustle will get you somewhere. And it got me somewhere, but it wasn't with ease and grace and alignment. And so it was February the next year, um, that, which was about uh, three months after I'd launched that shitty offer, uh, that I went to, you know, I picked 20 clients and I just was like, Hey dude, Hey girl, can I talk to you for 20 minutes? And I got feedback. I got feedback on where they were at, what they needed, and started crafting an offer around that. And then went back to them and I was like, hey, here's what I came up with. What do you think? Right. And then that's the offer that has become like our foundational program. And I didn't even create it. So I I always think it's about, you know, what's your ideal client? Serve them how they need it. Like, you don't have to have any ideas. You just have to be a gatherer of ideas and then nurture that that idea into being for the people you serve. So in a lot of ways, like, I mean, that's feminine,
0: right? Right. Sorry, I was just going to say that. It sounds like, and that leads to the next question is, what does feminine and masculine energy mean to you? But it sounds like you went in, in your masculine, trying to force sort of the agenda by being, you know, more of that risk taker and more assertive, aggressive, whatever word we want to choose there. And then once you went back into your feminine so you were vulnerable and then more nurturing, you got the result you wanted. Um, interesting, not uh-huh. interesting, but we interesting. <laughs> However, yes. we know that that makes sense. But so what is, so then let's, that leads me to the next one. So what, what does feminine and masculine energy mean to you? a lot of times when I bring this up to people who aren't in our environment or ecosystem and, and that those terms are new to them, um, in, I've had a conversation actually with one woman who was in her masculine arguing about how she was feminine, which was really interesting. Um, but they, a lot of people think it means woman and man, and I'm always trying to educate them and saying like we all have both energies. It's just
2: mm-hmm.
0: we make a decision on which yeah. hat we're wearing at which time. So tell me kind of what your view it, view is on it and uh, and how you how you see it.
1: So. Yeah. So for anybody who's new to masculine, and feminine, think of it like a continuum. Like if you've ever pulled up your phone and you know, you can adjust the brightness, right? Like there's a scale of super dark to super bright. And that's how you can think of your masculine and your feminine energy. You can go full on masculine. You can go full on feminine. Everyone has it within us, but there's probably a natural space where you find yourself feeling at home. You know, like when you're mm-hmm. at 60% brightness, you feel at home. <laughs> yep, And so that's kind of how I like to think about it. And the good news is you can adjust it to the room. So if you're in a really dark room, you don't want your brightness at full on a hundred because it's totally out of alignment with the space. So you can adjust it. Does that make sense, Kara?
0: Yeah, totally. I love yeah? this analogy, the brightness of the, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, right. brilliant. You might just the have to be is, co-host you- on this show from now on, Jasmine, because you're dropping some really good ones. Oh, good.
1: I'm so glad. I see it. now. I'm a mic runner at Tony, so that's the, that's the whole thing is you can't drop the mic. Um, right. So it's cool that I can do it here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, so you can think of it like that, right? Like the the brightness of a room, and you can adjust yourself to meet your outcome. You can adjust yourself to meet who you're around. So let's take intimate partners for example. We'll take it to the place where. Um, you're as a woman, right? Because this podcast is for women. As a woman, you want to be in your feminine around your man, which encourages him to be in his masculine. And you can think about feminine and masculine. My favorite metaphor is by David Data uh, in his book called The Way of the Superior Man. And he says the masculine is like the rock, okay? The, it's fully rooted to the ground, it's immovable. Um, It knows what it wants. It's concentrated. It has that focus, that that weight to it, okay? Whereas the feminine is the ocean of emotion that swirls around the rock. So it can push the rock. It can pull the rock. It can be a tidal wave, a tsunami, but that rock is not moving.
3: And so when you
1: think about the dance between masculine and feminine, that's how a lot of times it feels Mm. is, uh, you know as a as a woman when i'm in my feminine with you know with an intimate partner who's in his masculine it feels like that kind of natural way of being where i can you know have super high emotions and super low emotions and i can
3: i can push him and pull him and tease him and he's just sitting there and enjoying it right so um
1: so, you know, that's, and then in, when we think about business, a lot of times what's modeled for us is masculinity. What's the outcome? What are the action steps? What do the numbers look like? How are we going to get from A to B? And it has its place. It's absolutely something that I use. But when it comes to creation, I have to be in my feminine because that's, that's my home. Yep, That's where I feel
0: most like myself. Beautifully said. That's, and that's exactly it. And, and I think too, that's, that's part of the problem is I think a lot of women don't understand that. And I was just, I was just saying to one of the producers here actually about how, how society has really sort of created this, a bit of chaos around this feminine and masculine energy slash roles. We don't really know, men are scared to talk, women are trying to do everything and there, there's no balance. I don't, I feel right now. I mean, that's not true. I guess not everywhere, but I can see that there's, there's imbalance in how to be a woman and how to be a man or how we're feeling about being a woman and and being a man. And I think, you know, then, and the next thing I wanted to ask you is if you're, you ever find yourself too far in your masculine. I know I have, and I know I have in my intimate relationships and I, um, but I do know that I can re sort of call upon that energy when it's necessary in business, because you do have to show up that way. I mean, especially a woman in business, if you're in, a, in an industry that's predominantly men, which I am for, for the content company, if I'm not showing up really in that, in that mind frame, then there's, there's opportunity for me to not do as well. There's, you know, if I'm in contract negotiations, I have to very consciously say, okay, you know, I'm not being creative right now. I'm trying to get the job done. So this is how I'm showing up. But I think there's still such confusion around when that part of your day is done, you can then, because st- my home is feminine as well. I'm, I feel mm-hmm. much more, and it's not about being, you know, being girly and wearing dresses. And although that's beautiful and that makes me feel my feminine as well. It's about how I'm feeling. Am I being vulnerable? Am I being empathetic? Am I being, um, you know, nurturing, all those things that represent feminine energy f- for me. And it's turning off, it's take and i I always equate things to hats. It's taking my masculine hat off, putting the feminine one back on and and I and I'm comfortable and I feel good, not always. but people I think women especially have a hard time understanding that you can be both, and both are beautiful and both are necessary and um but for me, when I was too far in the masculine, it affected how I was parenting my kids. It definitely affected my my marriage, which is no longer. Um, that wasn't, I wouldn't say the reason it ended, but definitely didn't help. But yeah, so I think, um, then that's why I wanted to bring all of this to light because women don't even know what they don't know about this stuff, right? Like they're, they're walking around not understanding. And as soon as I say, do you, do you understand feminine and masculine energy? Well, no. And I explain and they're like, holy shit, that's, I'm doing that. And I'm like, I know. And it feels like crap if you're always in your masculine. So Mm -hmm. Um, so do you ever feel, is there any examples you can give of when you've felt like you've caught yourself too far in the masculine energy and you need to kind of pull back if you want to be heard or be, you know, whatever, like, is there any time in in your life, in the, in your career where you've thought, you know what, I I probably came in too strong.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I I was raised to be an achiever Mm -hmm. and a lot of that was go-getter and I was praised for it. So it was very conditioned within me to be in hunter mode, right? Right. Like, um, I don't know if you've talked about Alison Armstrong at all on the podcast, Kara, but she's, she's a great person to read and and go study about this. And she doesn't even use the words masculine and feminine anymore. She taught, she was on a mastermind with us recently and said, She's finding it so challenging to get around the stigma of the words masculine and feminine. Instead, she's using the words hunting mode and gathering mode. Right. Because like we that. all can hunt and we all can gather. And it's about shifting between the two. And so I find myself when I'm in hunting mode, right,
3: when I'm in go get it mode, when mm-hmm. I'm in focus mode, um, you know, I, I feel stress and I sometimes I'll lash out and um
1: or inversely i'll find myself crying just like and i'm like i don't know why like i don't know what's going wrong with me well and usually that's what it is right it's Mm -hmm. like i've been in hunting mode too too long and my actual like in my physical body i can feel it as well it feels um like stiff i feel very like stiff rather than loose and flowing and graceful um and gathering, <laughs> right? Right. And I, I have noticed this with one time with an intimate partner in the, pa- in the past. It's funny you mentioned hats because when you're in your masculine mode and you've probably noticed this about any men in your life, they need transition time to get into gathering mode or, or to settle into a new space. So a lot of guys, right, they'll go to work and then they'll come home and you notice they come in the door they may say hi to the wife, hi to the kids and then they'll go do something.
0: Mm-hmm. They'll
1: go read a magazine for 20 minutes Or, uh, they'll go take a shower and change their clothes or, um, you know, they'll flip through the news on their phone. That's what my dad does. And so that 20 minutes is the time for them to transfer from one focus to another focus. So we see that a lot in men, but we don't think about it as us needing. it. And a lot of times for us coming from a super masculine task, when we're in hunter mode, we need that transition time as well. We need that transition time to say, okay, I'm going to put my hair down, which is a huge one for me. If I'm like in hunter mode, my hair is up in a bun. If I'm in gatherer mode, my hair is down loose. Um, I, and I came to that with a, with a former partner because we were both in business and, you know, we could like sit and just mastermind together and come up with all these ideas and really like go deep on numbers and super focused. And then it was like time to let work go. And he would pull my hair out of a bun and just be like, you need it. enough
0: of this. You know what I do? Yeah. You're going to laugh. Yeah. I take off my bra. I swear to God, as soon as I leave my office, I'm like, okay, That's bra's great. coming off and I fling it and I'm done. And I on like, As soon as you said you take your hair out, I'm like, holy shit, I take off my bra. Like a hundred percent. And then I feel, cause I feel constricted, right? And I feel like I'm mm-hmm. sitting straight up in my desk and I'm on the computer and I'm blah, blah, blah. But as soon as my work day is done, that is one of one of my trends. And I, and actually, I, lo- I love that you say, cause you know, we always make jokes about guys needing to be in, the, in their cave, man cave, right? Well, that's a version of mm-hmm. that when they come home. Mm-hmm. But you're totally right. Like even if I'm at home, a lot of us work from home now. When I leave my office, I definitely need time. Like I, I, Amelia is my youngest, she's 10. And so she's really the only one that's kind of like needing any care. So I'll say to her, mommy's gonna go upstairs and chill for 10 minutes. And she's been raised in an entrepreneurial environment. So she gets it. But you're right. Like we even need to do that man, quote unquote man cave thing. Cause it, I can't flip the switch that quickly. I've noticed. I need time mm-hmm. to relax and to mm-hmm. get into my mom. Mode into vulnerability, nurturing, all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, for me, it's the bra. Yours is the hair, mine's the bra. So I, I love it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So this one, I, I mean, I'm excited to hear what you're going to say about it. Um, there's one question I'm not even going to bother asking cause I want to, I want time for you to get into this one. So what do you think about personal development and why?
1: <laughs>
3: what do I think about personal development? Um, I think,
1: Gosh, the first thing that came to my mind sounds insane, so I have to say it. The personal dev- personal development is the reason we're here on earth. Mm. That was literally the first thing that came to my mind when uh you asked that question. Because and what I mean by that
3: in grander sense is that I think we're all here to evolve and we're all here to grow so that we can give. Right? Like the more we grow, the
1: more we have opportunity to give to others. And anyone listening can Probably think of something that they're able to teach to others, share with others about an experience they went through that if you share that with other people, it would make their life easier. It would make their life more enriched, right? And that, I think, is what personal development is all about. It's about growing so that you can then in turn share it. And I mean, you're a great example of that, Kara.
3: Right? Thank you. (laughs) Um, So... So yeah, I think that's what it's, that's, that's what it's all about.
0: So when you think about your next five years, what, and, and in the Tony environment, we'll say, cause I know, you know, we're both, we're both in it pretty deep. Um, what, what does the next five years look like for you when it comes to your development and what you're going to, what you're focusing on? Are you going to do more of the same? Do you have, you know, tell me a bit about what, what the future looks like for you.
1: The future for me looks
3: like expansion. I'm at a place where I've done, been in a personal development for not that long, four,
1: four-ish years. I've been going to events for three, um, but I've been to over 20 events in those three years. So most people go to an immersion and then go back home and then, you know, a year later go to an immersion. Right. And I was like, I'm going to live immersion. Yep. So. I know I have a lot of content and I have a lot of knowledge. And so I'm really just working on living that and being that and giving that as much as I can to the people that I serve. In terms of what I'm going to continue learning, it's more about energy. I'm super into Master Co. right now.
0: Oh, I love him.
1: And Chronic Healing. And so I, and I think that's the next level. If if you guys have ever, you get anybody listening can Google this, Tony Robbins pyramid of mastery. And he talks about the different stages that you go through to develop yourself. And the first one is health, right? Like that's the bottom of the triangle. That's the bottom of the pyramid. And I think next is emotional mastery, right? So you got to be master of your state of the way you're going through every day. Instead of thinking you need something to make you happy, you're going to be happy and then you'll find things in your life, right? So it's messing your emotions and it goes through, I think, relationships and uh, finances. Anyway, at the top of this pyramid is spirituality and contribution. And I really think I'm at this place where that's what's going to take me to the next level is energy work and understanding it and being able to help other people heal through it. So that's mm. that's my next years is continuing what I know through business mastery, through date with destiny, through all of these events, through all these dozens of books that I've read and podcasts and all that stuff, continuing to implement and grow that, but like adding in this extra element of spirituality.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, master co is a master for a reason. He, um, and if anybody that's listening has, um, so a lot of our listeners, Jasmine are, hopefully going to be able to go to a upw that's part of the whole mission is to send a thousand women to um to to unleash the power within but i think that for me one of the most impactful parts of of the whole event was was master Co. and j- just his whole the whole time he's with us it's i think it's amazing and it's one of those things and i mean you know at the end when we are um when we're asked to Pair up with each other and not speak and just stare at one another and give so much love to that person. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably my one of my top three favorite things of the whole weekend, and it continues to be every time I do it. I, I, you can feel different people, and you can be with one partner who you can feel they're still holding on and they're not fully releasing, and then you can go be with somebody else, you know, two feet away who are who's. I I I got a pranic healer actually Mm -hmm. the last time I did it in Dallas, and I was sobbing with joy. Like I just couldn't. And I said, you hit me right where I need it. And He said, I know I'm a pranic healer. And I was like, of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was, so I, since, you know, since I have you, I want to, I kind of do want to pick a little bit, pick your brain a bit more about the event so that we can give a better um, sense of what it's about. But so when I f- first went to Chicago to my first EPW after business mastery, I actually flipped out. I, it was like beginning of the Thursday, day one. And we started really, he started digging in on belief systems and all this. And I went nuts and I went out to the foyer and I was crying and I was like, this is bullshit. Tony's stupid. He doesn't know anything. I don't need this bullshit. Like I went off the charts inside my head. I phoned my ex and I'm like, I'm fucking done. I'm coming home. He's like, okay. And I was like, no, wrong answer. Forced me to stay. And I stayed and I'm obviously I'm really happy that I stayed. But I think for me, the part that was really hard in the beginning was, um, I thought I had it kind of all figured out in terms of what my limiting beliefs were. And once we started to really have to get into it, I was like, holy shit. So talk to, talk to us a little bit about what, if you had that kind of experience in the beginning where it was really just hit you like a truck, like you kind of thought, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. And then you started to do the work and you're like, holy shit, this is really uncomfortable. Like, do you have, you know, maybe it was one of your limiting beliefs in the beginning that really threw you, but give us, give us a little bit of, um, you know, Intel into that.
1: Yeah. I'm at my first event. I, um, I did it a really interesting way. I, it was after, so this is like way back at the beginning of entrepreneur journey, way back all three years ago. Um, (laughs) feels like decades ago,
0: way back. My first business was when I was 20. Okay. So, So it was like 23 years ago. Okay, go. I can only,
1: I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, and so I, we used to be a teacher. So I was a kindergarten teacher. I taught in inner city Detroit. So that's the background I come from. Okay, inner city school teaching. And I realized what entrepreneurship was. I was involved in an MLM. I kind of was like, oh, well, I don't know what to do, but I'm really tired of being suicidal. So mm. I'm going to change? And I quit my job. I dumped my boyfriend and I moved back home. And I got home and I'm like, okay, clearly
3: I'm going to be happier right now. Because this is me thinking, you change the outside, the inside changes. Right. Classic. Classic. And I get home and I'm still depressed. And I'm like, what the
2: hell
1: is going on? Like, I, I made all these big changes, universe. Like, I put some stuff out there. This was supposed to be easier and more of my stuff just kept coming up. It was like, it was getting worse. It's kind of like how you ever cleaned a house and it gets worse before it gets better. Kind of what mm-hmm. was happening. It's getting worse before it gets better. And so by grace, a Tony Robbins sales rep, sales changes lives, people. Okay. If you ever worried about sales, please, <laughs> that's because it changes lives. So sales rep comes on the call and I'm like, well, I don't know who the fuck Tony Robbins is. And I don't know what the fuck this event is, but I'm going to fucking go. And this was like in May and the event was in November. And so I get through the summer. I'm still freaking depressed. And I realized somewhere, somewhere like September, like a couple months before the event, I'm like, you know, I have some savings. I might as well use, my, use it to save my life. And I, right. I, I booked a trip and I booked a trip. That event was in San Jose. The UPW in San Jose and I booked a one-way ticket three weeks before the event to San Diego. So I flew to San Diego on a one-way ticket and I basically found my feminine energy because during those three weeks, I traveled up the coast of California. I stayed in Airbnbs. I drank coffee on the beach. I just dreamed for the first time in what felt like my entire life. I
3: gave myself to just sit with it and be with it and be in the muck and be in the dirt and be okay with it. And
1: during those three weeks, I listened to Tony's, Tony's audio program called the ultimate edge. It is a three week program. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's, maybe it's a month long, but every day I drive a couple hours and I'd listen to Tony in the car. And, um, so by the time I got to UPW, I had had some time with Tony and I'd worked through a lot of my shit over that fan because a lot of the program he has you do the work like what are your limiting right. beliefs how could we break through them what could the reframe be and i get to upw and i'm excited because i'm like well i've done some of the work already right like this is gonna be good and then i'm sitting in my i'm sitting in my chair and uh it's it's day, day one no one's out there yet everybody you know the crowd's coming in i registered the day before i'm all excited i got my lanyard ready to hear Tony and they have all these purple lights everywhere and they're playing cool music and a girl behind me sitting in the chair behind me we're just sitting waiting for it to get started goes can you believe we're going to walk
3: on fire tonight and I turn around and I'm like what are you talking about oh, shit and she's yeah. like yeah they, we do
1: fire walking at this event like we walk on fire and I literally rolled my eyes and said you're mistaken that's impossible <laughs>
0: did you know little did i
1: know <laughs> so clearly i still thought things were impossible back then which now i don't believe right. such nonsense um so i mean that just goes to show like it and still now like i've got shit i'm working on like it it never ends like limiting, no, it doesn't. limiting beliefs are limitless you know <laughs> like, yep they they never end and so it's just like the more you sit with it and be
3: in it and be like okay cool this is um my humanity is showing it gets
2: easier. So, did you walk
0: on fire that first time? I walked on fire that night, and I've walked on fire seven times. Girl. I think at this point. I think this this next one will be my fourth. Yeah, fire walk. And it's yep. so scary. I think Every fourth time. or fifth. It is. Fuck, people don't believe me. I'm like, no, you don't. And like, why would you do it again? I'm like, because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. That's why I do it again and again and again. And even the last time. Last one was my best fire walk, but the first time I did it, I burned my foot a teensy tiny bit, like no big deal, but enough that I knew I did it. Mm -hmm. Second time when I was crewing, I didn't burn myself at all. It was my favorite because I was serving. Mm -hmm. I was Silent Angel, which if anyone volunteers ever, you'll understand what that means. Silent Angel is the best job, I think, in the fire lane. Oh, I'm first anchor. I I like first anchor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Silent Angel, because I have to shut up. Yeah. I can give you energy when I'm talking, but when I'm quiet, it's more, it's, it's more of a challenge for me, mm. but just walking those 350 people across. And then I floated across that firewalk that time. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, it was incredible. I loved it. Um, so last question, because we're going over, cause I could talk to you forever. Agreed. Um, how do you get into your feminine energy when you are conscious and you have intention to do it? What are some of the ways that you get into your feminine energy?
2: There's so
3: many. I think if I'm, if I'm not in my hyper-masculine,
1: it's literally a state change. Like I have, I've built enough triads, which is uh, Mm -hmm. a word for a state, which is, you know, a way of being so you can say I have a happy state. I have a sad state. and There's a certain way you hold your body when you're happy. And there's a certain way you hold your body when you're sad. There's a certain thing you're focused on when you're happy There's a certain thing you're focused on when you're sad. There's a certain language you have when you're happy. There's a certain language you have when you're sad. And so it's those three things, physiology, focus, and language. And you can actually like think back to a time when you were in your feminine and, and then you can write down, okay, well, what was, well, how was I holding my body when I was in my feminine that time? How was I, uh, what was I focusing on? What words was was I saying to myself when I was in that time? And then you can recreate that for yourself. And so I've done that. Um, I have a couple feminine triads. And so I can shift into them pretty quickly. If I'm in my hyper-masculine, then um, changing clothes works a lot, putting on makeup, doing my hair. like The basic girly, girly things actually do work for me to get in my feminine. doesn't work for everybody, um, but, no. works, but works for me. And I also sometimes I'll journal if I'm, like, if I'm really frustrated mm. about something and that's why I'm so, like, stiff and intense and in my masculine, I'll write it out. I'll just do, like, a brain dump and I'll just put it all on paper. And then that to me is, like, okay, I've transmuted the energy now. Um, yeah. So that's really good. And also walking my dog. Like, if mm. I don't walk my dog, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I have a really hard time. So um, walking her is really, really helpful. Any kind of like movement like that, a lot of people will go to like a dance class and they say that helps them a lot. Being surrounded by other women, sisterhood is incredibly yep. important. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the sprinkling
0: of ways. So I had my actual coach on here um, a couple episodes ago, and she's also, she's part of the Tony Robbins Coaching, Coaches Academy as well. And her and I were talking about this question and both of us said being in nature. And I, so I do walk my dog five kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles, three something miles a day, but in it's outside and it's the same route basically that I always go with her, but I will put on my, I call it pump up your shit woman. That's the playlist. And I, you know, it's a bunch of songs from UPW that are, that speak to me and get me into that feminine energy zone and I start to visualize and I daydream. I find daydreaming really gets me yeah. into my feminine very quickly. Um, and the triads too, like, you know, I, I do, I I have them as well. I probably could use some, um, like, just as you were saying, feminine triads. I, sh- I could probably use a couple of those that I can recall quickly. I have one that's Samantha from, uh, I named her Samantha from Sex in the City when I need to get into boss mode. Mm. So it's a bit of the reverse, but she's so feminine in her masculinity, which I think is... Yep. Also, really cool, just how she approaches things. But nature, I think, is a really big one, Um, and dancing too. Like music, music is life. Mm-hmm. Like that is it. It. I'm so anchored now by so many damn <laughs> songs. Like I could be in Walmart, and if I hear, you know, like any Avicii or anything, I'm like jumping like an idiot and loving every second mm-hmm. of it. But yeah, there's there's a ton of ways I think, and it's it's just identifying them. So I, I'm I'm happy that you gave us some examples and the listeners some yeah. examples, but. Absolutely. That is that is it for the uh, questions. Um, I don't do. Is there anything that you wanted to kind of leave everybody with? Any kind of? I mean, you're brilliant and you have incredible ideas and and uh, nuggets to leave. I don't know if there's something that you wanted to share before we wrap it up.
3: I I think I'll share that as women in business, we have to know that we're we're not up against this thing of we have to learn how to be
1: masculine. I think it's really our strength and our power is being in our feminine and knowing how to tap into the masculine when you need it. I think a lot of people see it as like an either or thing.
2: And Mm. the strength is that
1: we have this, this beautiful ability to be in our feminine that's naturally conditioned. And then the world has also taught us to be in our masculine. And so they've conditioned that. you know, men, on the other hand, like poor things, like they are conditioned <laughs> to be in their masculine and they're naturally masculine. So I think for men to tap into their feminine and use that is a really big challenge. And as as women, we kind of get the best of both worlds. So- Totally. Instead of seeing it as like this hard, big thing we have to overcome, it's really working in our favor.
0: Yeah. And it's just learning to balance it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because it, it is, we're, we're very- I mean, I think we're the luckiest creatures ever mm-hmm. for exactly why you just what you just said. But, well, my dear, um, I'm so appre- i have so... And you're not coming to Miami, you said, right? I will not be in Miami, no. Uh, okay. Are you going to a date with Destiny or crewing it later? <sighs> it's no? still
1: up in the air. I might crew it. Um, I might not. It's about, you know, right now, it's about taking care of my people and my business and doing that first. Yeah. So we'll see where we're at.
0: Cool. Um, so just quickly tell everybody where they can find you if they're interested in, um, in connecting with you.
1: You can find me on Instagram, Jasmine Jonte. You can find me on Facebook, um, Jasmine Jonte there too. And, uh, we have a a website as well, www.thealliancemastermind.com. Um, but reach out about anything. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to serve. And, uh, yeah, you know, I love this tribe that you're creating, Kara. So thanks so
0: much for having me on. Thank you for coming. I uh, I appreciate it. And I hope we'll, we'll be able to uh, hang out in the next little while. But uh, if not, you know, you can always come to Toronto when it's freaking freezing here and uh, complain with me about the weather. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Anywho. All right. Well, love you, girl. I will talk to you soon. Thanks again. All right. Bye. Keira. Bye. Bye.